Welcome in to the podcast for all fans of the best basketball league in the world. For the next 24 minutes, everything you need to know about the NBA is given to you in the simplest of ways, straight to the point. No overloads of stats or articles, just telling it like it is so that even a non-NBA fan becomes a fanatic. So get ready. Warm-ups just ended, and the possession arrow belongs to... All right, here we go. It is the first ever episode of the Throne Elbows podcast, an NBA podcast by an unlikely NBA guy, that being me. Ready to start what is going to be the second straight most unique NBA season of all time. And I don't think that's a stretch to say, but that's the kind of statements you can expect on this show. It's going to be straight to the point. No overload of statistics, no overload of oh, this writer for the NBA's official website said this, or Adrian Wojnarowski said this. No, none of that. This is straight up what I think about the NBA teams, the season, the schedules, the players, everything you need to know that's relevant in the league going on right now, you're going to find it right here. And I'm going to put it to you in the simplest of terms because to be truthful, that's kind of how sports work. It's pretty simple if you just break it down that way, and that's what we're going to plan to do today. First things first, though, why am I the unlikely NBA guy? Let's get to know each other a little bit if you're going to take my word for value. Pretty simple. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm still in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And, well, we don't have an NBA team. I played basketball for most of my life from elementary school all the way up to my senior year of high school. But I didn't play much in high school. I was a bench warmer. So why would I be an NBA guy? I just love the sport. And the NBA is the best basketball product on this planet. And I'm sorry you can't convince me otherwise. Once we get into the offseason, we'll probably have that discussion of why I think the NBA is 10 times better than college basketball, but that's a discussion for another day. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference. Miami Heat, are they going back-to-back as far as representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals? I don't think so. I'll get more into it here in a second, but who's going to replace them? Who do people think could replace them, but ultimately will not? And I can certainly guarantee it. All that and more coming up, and we'll start right now. Let's cross it over. Anytime you hear that sound, that means we're going to be discussing a new topic starting right now, and you can't start the discussion about the Eastern Conference without talking about the Miami Heat. Nobody had the Miami Heat making it at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'd say a good half of them didn't even have them making it past Indiana in the first round. Even though that series was a clean sweep, that was a surprise enough to some. And then they beat Milwaukee. And then they said, oh, well, well, Milwaukee's more of a mess than we thought. And the Heat took advantage. Boston should beat them, right? Not necessarily. And then they got to the NBA Finals, and then they said, oh, well, the Lakers have taken advantage of everybody and have swept everybody, or at least in five games. I know it took the Nuggets six, but... That was a pretty convincing series, too. We'll get into the Nuggets and the rest of the Western Conference next week, but for the Heat's sake, a lot of people didn't give them the credit until they took the Lakers six games, and ultimately they lost, but it took that kind of an effort all the way through for people to finally say, hey, this is a team worth noting. But the real question is that, are they going to be a team worth noting this season? The sad but true answer to me, they're noteworthy. Are they going to represent the Eastern Conference? No. No, they're not. And I think the main reason why the Miami Heat 
made it to the NBA Finals last season. Aside from Jimmy Butler, I'll get into him. But the main reason that they made the Eastern Conference Finals was the pandemic. It wasn't so much the bubble atmosphere. It wasn't so much the the idea that there were no fans, the home court advantage wasn't a thing. If they had to go to Milwaukee, they probably wouldn't have taken care of the Bucks in five games. No, it's not any of that. It's the rest factor. And yes, yes, I understand that every single team in that bubble had the same amount of rest. But here's the thing. Who does that kind of rest benefit? It benefits those superstars that carry their team in a night-in, night-out basis and get them to the point of the playoffs in, in the beginning. The Heat aren't traditionally like that, right? The NBA is the most star-dependent league of the four major sports in America, right? Not only when it comes to dependency on popularity and star factor and mainstream media exposure, but it also comes down to the game itself. Basketball, when played correctly and when played to its most beautiful, it doesn't need three superstars to carry the team. And the Heat proved that. Ultimately, they did not make it as far as they wanted to go, and the star power of the Lakers overruled that. But the Lakers also play good basketball because they have two of the most intelligent players that just happen to be two of the top five players in the league on their squad. So that is nothing against the Heat. What I am putting against the Heat is the idea of rest. Jimmy Butler proved that he can be a real superstar player when given the chance to and when given the trust of a team. And he showed himself. He proved it. But he's never done that before this point. And when he did anything close to resembling that, it was when he was a no-name young player with the Chicago Bulls. He didn't have any performances like that in the postseason, at least, in Minnesota, Ugh. in Philadelphia, just ask Kawhi Leonard, and now, that's why it came as a surprise whenever Jimmy Butler emerged to be a guy who could go toe-to-toe with LeBron James from a statistics and a performance standpoint in the NBA Finals. Like I said... Ultimately, the Heat didn't have that guy who could match up to one like Anthony Davis. Not a lot of teams do, and that's why the Lakers won. But let's be truthful here. The Miami Heat, I think, are still an extremely young team. And they didn't add anybody really worth noting. They're two biggest additions of the NBA offseason thus far. And even though the season is still a few weeks away, we're in training camp now. Not many big trades happen during the season, right? Like you don't see a trade like the recent Russell Westbrook John Wall one in the regular season, right? Teams just don't like to mess with their chemistry like that, especially a team like the Heat led by a guy like Eric Spolstra, who I think is a big believer in team chemistry, and that's why he's one of the best coaches in the Eastern Conference. I think he's the second best coach in the Eastern Conference. I'll get to my number one later on in the show, but... The two additions that they made that are maybe worth noting, you could be one and a half heat men, possibly you could call it, Precious Achua and Avery Bradley, right? And how noteworthy is Avery Bradley? He's the half because, I mean, think about it. 
he sat out the bubble and the Lakers had absolutely no problem winning the championship. What does Avery Bradley bring to the Heat that they don't already have as a team? They have shooting. Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Jay Crowder is not a bad stretch for when he doesn't shoot it like an idiot every time he touches it. They don't need defense. Jimmy Butler's one of the best defensive players in the league. Jay Crowder, another good defender. He's a versatile one at that. Bam Adebayo's the second best defensive big in the Eastern Conference behind Joel Embiid. So what does Avery Bradley bring that the Heat need? The Heat are a pretty well-balanced team. The Heat needed size. That's why Precious Achua was not only a good draft pick, but it was a need pick, I think, more over than a value pick. So does Precious Achua make the Heat a back-to-back Eastern Conference representative in the NBA Finals? Absolutely not. He's not that good. At least not as a rookie. Tyler Hero was at least a lottery pick, right? Tyler Hero, we saw that talent at Kentucky still. But Precious Achua, I can honestly say, as big of a basketball fan as I am, and I'm more of an NBA fan than I am college basketball, and I think March Madness not happening might have been a reason for this, I'd never heard of the guy. And I had to do my research before this podcast. I mean, he is more of an inside presence. He does have a little bit of an outside game to him, but is he enough to match up with the likes of Anthony Davis? Nope. Is he enough to match up with the likes of Joel Embiid in the in his own conference? Nope. Even DeAndre Jordan with the Nets? Nope. You know, he's not going to be that big of a contributor. And that was one of the biggest problems with the Heat was that their size was an, an issue. You know, Jay Crowder was a stretch four, your classic stretch four, but... And he was effective at times, but and so was Bam Adebayo, but who was behind them, right? Kelly Olenek, eh. You know, Udonis Haslam's older than dirt itself. You know, I think the wood that he plays on might be fresher than him. And so that's why I can't pick the Heat to go back to the NBA Finals this year. I have to see them go through an entire NBA schedule from game one till game whatever it is that they lose because it, you know they're all ultimate elimination game because they cannot they have not shown me that they can do it great for them it was a great story last year and they took advantage and i think they gained the the rest of jimmy butler's career there i think last year's run solidified that jimmy butler staying in miami for the rest of his time but I don't see it happening again. All right, so there's three other contenders in the Eastern Conference, if you ask me. But to be truthful, yeah, it's more like that sound. It's more like two and a half teams. It's the Celtics, it's the Bucks, and then the little kid that lives with the two is the Brooklyn Nets. Because here's the thing. Me personally, I could make the case that the Nets are more of a threat than the Bucks. Because they're an enigma. And I'll get to who I ultimately think is going to dethrone the Heat out of these three. But it's not the Nets. But the Nets have not a bad shot at it. I'll put it that way. Because I don't know what they're going to bring. The Nets have two solidified superstars in this league. And arguably the second best player in the league if he comes back as healthy. Actually, I don't think it's really much of an argument. If he's as healthy as he has been to start his career, Kevin Durant will be the Eastern Conference's best player. 
Yes, and that includes Giannis, and that includes guys like Jason Tatum and such. But the thing is, is that will he come back healthy? Now, I don't like to get into injuries and projecting injuries whenever I make my predictions, but the thing is, is that he's also playing with the guy who created the term social distancing in Kyrie Irving. Yeah, social distancing is something we think of when it comes to the coronavirus and, and how to stay safe from this disease, but I think the disease to Kyrie Irving is the term team chemistry. And I think he tries to stay as far away from it as he possibly can, no matter where he goes. We've seen it, how the team in Cleveland always had some sort of buzz around him, even when he was the number two to LeBron James. There was always some sort of mishap. And then he asked for the trade, got it, went to Boston, was that superstar that that team was craving, right? Up until that point, the Boston Celtics were the scrappy underdog that was led by a good bunch of role players up until that point guys like evan turner avery bradley isaiah thomas right al horford was good but he was never really a superstar player and i don't think he really ever has been he's been an all-star but there's a difference he was a star player not a superstar so that solidified brad stevens as being one of the better coaches that came into the league and now they had kyrie irving and then gordon hayward obviously his injuries set back hayward but the spotlight was always going to be on Irving as soon as he got to Boston. And then he went, nope, nope, nope. I don't like being the leader. I don't like being the leader. Even if he did, he wasn't good at it. So that's my point. My point is, is that Kyrie Irving makes every team he's on worse just because his mind and his mindset about where he stands on his team can get in the way of his talents. So that can knock the Nets down a superstar almost. If Kyrie Irving gets in his own head, and if Kyrie Irving does what Kyrie Irving has done on every team he's been a part of in his career thus far, this could greatly hinder the Nets. So I don't know about the Nets. The Milwaukee Bucks are a different story. The Milwaukee Bucks were not only the one seed going into last year's playoffs, I think they were going to be regardless of pandemic, but... The Bucks. I mean, you've seen it. Even with the addition of Drew Holiday, this team has its uncertainties, especially with its biggest star. You know, the whole Anthony Davis thing and the hesitancy of him resigning his contract, part of it was waiting on Giannis's decision on what Giannis was going to do or what the Bucks were going to do with him. And ultimately, he resigned. And I don't know what that means, but Giannis isn't happy. You can tell. As much as he wants to say that he is and, you know, whatever he wants to put on social media and whatever he wants to say to the media, it's all BS behind the curtain, right? Anybody can say anything behind a screen. I don't think Giannis is happy in Milwaukee because he realizes his value now. He realizes how big of a figure he is, no matter the success, right? You see a guy like Russell Westbrook. You see a guy like Joel Embiid. You see a guy, you know, looking like a crossover. You see guys like Lamar Jackson, build their brand for how big they are as an individual athlete, but their success isn't there, right? Sure, they might have individual accolades, but championship accolades aren't there for any of those athletes I just named, and Giannis is in that group right now. So to get away from that, what does he do? He gets out of Milwaukee, right? Who has stayed for the majority of their career in Milwaukee and had great career success other than Oscar Robertson. 
and that's been a minute, hasn't it? So I can't trust the Bucks either. So who does that leave? That leaves the 17, the other 17-time world champion franchise in the league, and that's the Boston Celtics. For any of you who know me personally, they know I'm a Boston Celtics fan, so I'm going to try to keep my bias out of it as close as I can, but I don't think it's a biased pick to say that the team that was the runner-up to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals in a pandemic year that did get better, not by a ton, but they did get better, and I'm going to mention it here in a minute, is the pick to dethrone the Heat in the Eastern Conference. I don't think it's that big of a stretch. So... I think Jason Tatum, by the end of the season, is going to be a top three player in the Eastern Conference, if he isn't already. He's going to develop even further. You know, I think that Kemba Walker is only going to get better with a second year in the system. And the thing is, is that, right, the Boston Celtics, they knew their needs after their exit, after their playoff exit. They needed size and they needed shooting. What did they need and what did they get? Tristan Thompson is a backup center, which I don't mind the move at all. I think Tristan Thompson's a good veteran center, inside physical rebounder that'll get you second chances on the offensive end and more solidified defensive rebounding to help your defense out against those bigger teams in your conference like Philadelphia and Brooklyn. So who's what was the other need? Shooting. The Boston Celtics did not have a guy who they could kick out to and almost be automatic. This is a stretch. This could be a stretch. But Aaron Neesmith in this draft was considered the best shooter, best spot-up shooter in the draft. And he is now a Boston Celtic for that exact reason. Brad Stevens knew what his offense needed, and he went out and got it. It's a rookie. He's a rookie. There's... Same thing as the Nets. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. He could be a bust for all I know. But for right now, Aaron Neesmith, I think, off the bench, could add a lot of scoring and a lot of necessary shooting to that second team that Boston has. Because right now, it's Marcus Smart and a bunch of idiots. Especially with the loss of Gordon Hayward. I don't think it's going to be too crucial, especially since Boston's used to playing with him without him now for the majority of his time in New England. But... I'm excited to see what Aaron Neesmith brings to the Boston Celtics. And ultimately, because of the endurance factor that the Heat haven't had to go through as a young team, and the experience that the Boston Celtics now have with the best coach in the Eastern Conference, I'm not saying it'll be a sweep. I think it would be a 6-7 game series still. I think, and it depends on how the brackets would shake out in the playoffs, I think the Boston Celtics will be representing the Eastern Conference come the 2021 NBA Finals, hopefully scheduled on regular time. Who will they play? Find out next week on the Western Conference Preview. Hard times and hard times. That's hard times. All right, this is the first time of this segment on this show, and I'm really excited for it. It's where I give you who's going through hard time, who I think is going to find their way out, who I think isn't going to get out of it quite so easily. And there's been a lot of hard times from the end of October to now. Let's go through them. That's hard time. It's got to be Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook has been traded now for two times in two years for John Wall in a first round pick this most recent. 
And yes, he's going to have Bradley Beal, but what's Russell Westbrook going to do that we haven't already seen in his career? You know, this is Russell Westbrook's second time in his career being traded, but it's also the second time in two years. Does that say something to you? Yeah, he was the MVP that averaged triple-double in a season. Yeah, he was the guy that stayed in Oklahoma City when both James Harden and Kevin Durant left. Yeah, but what has he done since? It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-now type of sports environment that we live in as Americans. What has Russell Westbrook done of that's worth noting in his career since the Thunder broke up? Right? Yeah, the, the triple-double is, is impressive, but is it really? Like, you couldn't tell me that LeBron James couldn't have done that if he tried for 82 games. You couldn't tell me that Kevin Durant even could have if he tried. Russell Westbrook knew he had to carry that Thunder team, and he's probably going to do the same exact thing with the Wizards, but what exactly is he going to do that we haven't seen already? Russell Westbrook doesn't evolve. This is a league of evolution. You have to evolve your game to become better. Ask a guy like LeBron James, who's done it his entire career. Ask James Harden. When he got to Houston, Russell Westbrook, if you don't change your game and you never will, you're going to be falling on hard times in Washington. That's hard time. Philadelphia. I mean, the 76ers, I was going to get into pretenders, but I think I just gave away the two that I was going to say, right? The Raptors are in there too, but there's no reason talking about them. The 76ers though, I mean, it's laughable the hard times that they put on themselves, right? The process I mean, it is, it's, it's a floundering fish at this point. It's like the fish that you catch and then you hold it and then it all of a sudden just squeams a little bit, almost gets away back into the water, but then you pick it up off the deck and then you go back and gut it and it's over. That's what the Philadelphia 76ers are at right now. They're at the little squeaming stage because the Sixers not only traded Al Horford, which was actually a good move. They needed to get rid of his contract, but who'd they get in return for him? Danny Green? The one thing that Danny Green has done of note most recently in his career is the fact that he missed a three-pointer in the biggest series since 2014 for him. I know he has that three-pointers made in an NBA Finals record. That was going to be seven years ago. I mean, the guy is a little outdated, and he's going to be your best shooter. Tobias Harris is still overpaid. I love him, but he's still an overpaid player. Joel Embiid, being the center point that he is, Ben Simmons just as much. They're both. Both cannot shoot from the outside, at least consistently. That's not today's NBA. The process is over because it was built incorrectly. They looked and they said, Oh, you're a good player. And you're a good player. Ooh, you can be, you've done good here. You've done good here. And what does it get them? No outside scoring. And your best perimeter shooter is a guy by the name of Tobias Harris who was on five teams now in his career. Yeah. This season's going to prove why the Philadelphia 76ers process is said, done, and over. That's hard time. All right, this will usually be the last segment of every episode, so it's going to be a staple. Get used to it. Which teams, players, coaches, whoever figures in the NBA are going through hard times, whether it's throughout the past week, whether it's been throughout the season, just hard times. Right now, it's a projection. Who's going to be going through hard times come this start of the NBA season? Well, looks like the shot clock has expired. 
Never miss an episode of Throwing Elbows with me, Eddie D. The NBA podcast by the unlikely NBA guy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast outlets. You can also find today's episode on YouTube. Search Throwing Elbows with Eddie D. Click on the first playlist you see. When the league's in season, so am I, as I'll be putting out new episodes every week of the NBA season. Be sure to come back next time to see what we got coming out of this timeout.